if my understanding of wellness is white, then I already think that this isn't for me. I feel like Black people have never had the luxury or the opportunity or the access to just breathe. And the phrase, I can't breathe, has never been so heavy and resonant. But I think that representation is so important because for so many of us, we have not had opportunities to stop and breathe and process and just be mindful. Or we haven't been taught what mindfulness is or um, how to sit with, how to just sit with stuff. So I think on, on the, the most fundamental level, representation, me being who I am and showing up for people is important. And other people, other people of color, or other people who have, uh, who have marginalized identities in the wellness in industry, representation is super important. Welcome to the Mindful Rebel Podcast, a podcast where mindfulness and leadership intersect. My name is Sean Moore, and I create a sacred space for personal discovery and self-exploration. Whether that's through this podcast platform, design and branding services, sound healing and yoga nidra, workshop and presentation facilitation, or Gallup certified strength coaching. In this week's episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Eric Mosley. Eric Mosley is a Yoga Alliance registered yoga and meditation teacher on a mission to decolonize the Western wellness experience and encourage all people, particularly people of color, to bring their most authentic selves to their mat. With background in education and school leadership spanning over 10 years, he launched Black Mat Yoga NYC to address identity-based inequities in wellness spaces. Eric integrates the nuances of his identity and his experiences as an educational leader in his offerings, his passion for social-emotional learning, data-driven instruction, and the intersections of race, gender, and sexuality allows Eric to make it make sense, making yoga accessible to newer and seasoned yogis in studio spaces, through virtual, private lessons, and in-school and corporate settings. Welcome to this week's episode of the Mindful Rebel Podcast. I am excited to uh, be in conversation with my good brother, Mr. Eric Mosley. Eric, thank you for taking the time out to be a part of the podcast, um, and I'm excited to, to chop it up some more. Yeah, thank you for having me, Sean. I've been looking forward to this all week. Awesome, awesome. And I just have to, to shout you out. I got a chance to, to uh, I, I want to take one of your yoga classes, but I caught one of your meditation classes, and it, it was what I needed that morning. So thank you for an amazing dynamic uh, meditation. If y'all get a chance, I'm going to have all the social media information posted in the <laughs> listing of the podcast. So if you need a good virtual offering, Hit my brother up. I appreciate dope. that. And it was so <laughs> dope seeing you come into the space. And that's a that's that's a really interesting um just like topic in itself, like leading that meditation, particularly um, because people aren't or haven't or let me people are starting to become more interactive um with me in terms of the the meditation. So sometimes it can feel like I'm just by myself here, just kind of meditating for myself with like with very little it, it happens on instagram live so sometimes there can be very little interaction and that kind of gets to me sometimes i'm just like oh it's just me it's just me here that's fine so when i'm saying hey y'all it's actually just me that i'm talking to so seeing you come into the room and like engage was really encouraging and i was like ah good i got a brother in here like i'm good it's not just me by myself that's <laughs> so dope that's dope have you um, joined that meditation that day yeah and I, you know well i think well, this that's a good conversation to hop into um because you know i know a lot of practitioners you know that's a it's a it's a different dynamic hopping into this virtual world right because we're used to feeling out the energy in the room talking to people and in that way when we're facilitating and it's it's such a it's a interesting barrier to come across where it's like i know there are people on the other side but it feels like it's just me and i'm like yeah. it, are y'all feeling it? Do I need to stop? Am I, I can't right. see you breathing. It's, it's such a weird, it, it's a weird dynamic that we're, I think we're all navigating through. So it's, it's, it feels comforting to know that someone else feels the same way. I've oh, been yeah. feeling that with the sound baths that I'm like, is this too loud? Are you right. feeling it? Does this make sense? I don't know. 
Yeah. And then you then you have to wait till the end of the process when people are like, great, great, great. I'm like, okay, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it really it really speaks to like holding space in a mm. different way. Just like you said, in person, you you can vibe, right? You can you can read the room, you can look at reactions. But online, there's an element of like that processing that has to happen for both yourself and whoever's watching or listening. So you might ask a question and then there's like think time like wait time, think time that has to happen. And then there's like type respond time. Um, and I've also mm -hmm. noticed like sometimes I might ask a question and then I'll pause and then it's uncomfortable for me. So then I'll keep going. And then later I'll see the comments start to roll in, you know, moments after I've moved on, but it's like, oh, they actually need the time to like think and write it. Um, so yeah, I think for many of us that kind of figuring it out is really just like, process like mentally processing and then the process of responding or the process of um, feedback and that's it's new it's new and we have to be um, like we have to get comfortable with like just waiting and yeah waiting <laughs> <laughs> so this is a great place to start right so you know as we're talking about you know holding space in the work that you do, you know, as a yoga and meditation teacher, how did you get started along that path and kind of what brought you to, you know, yoga and meditation and how you hold space now, um, yeah. particularly with Black Mat Yoga NYC? Yeah, so this is a, this is a great question. And part of the story, part of my story that I talk about and that I, I have almost been not dreading, but it, it's a full story and I haven't uh, and I am looking forward to going on and like really like posting it and making it a real thing but my background is in education um, I taught um, fifth grade reading for a couple of years with a charter school in Brooklyn and then I had my last year in the classroom was a really rough year for me professionally and personally um, and I didn't realize how much the personal bled into the professional until after I kind of came out. Um, I left the classroom and started, I started a position, a summer, like a summer school position in which I was working with uh, lots of adults and coaching um, new teachers who had either just become um, teachers like fresh out of college or career changers who wanted to become educators. Uh, so I worked with a program in New York, um, did that, and that was kind of my first real time, like first experience working with adults um, and coaching, and I and I really liked it. I was like, oh, okay, I get this. You know, I can have a greater impact here than just in my own classroom. So I think I want to continue to work with adults, with coaching teachers, um, with all these kinds of things. Uh, after that, I became a dean, and I went to an elementary school. And I was very excited because as a person, as a teacher of color, uh, I think it, my experience, I think, is similar to other teachers in that, like, maybe in, in charter spaces or in schools, we kind of organically find our way to do the things at the school or whatever powers that we want us to do and our way to infuse, like, our own selves into our classroom and establish the relationships with students in ways that may not be exactly what the school prescribes. Um, so in this position as a dean, I really felt like I was able to create the change and create the school culture that I thought was really healthy for students, bring things for students and teachers and parents that maybe they didn't have um, new structures, new things that they didn't have before. Um, so I was really excited about the work that I was doing, but it was turnaround work. And it was really, it was very tough because our school was in a position where um, it was, it was on the verge of closing because of the academic, uh, it wasn't meeting its academic goals, um, lots of things. So anywho, uh, I had practiced yoga off and on prior to that, that year where I was a dean, um, just whenever I could, just kind of dabbled in it. But I realized that due to the stress of that job, I needed to, a release. So I started practicing yoga, um, the physical yoga asana, as a tool to de-stress and to kind of just balance my own just physical and mental health. And one 
one spring break, I stayed in New York and I decided I'm going to do yoga every single day. Like I want to build a habit. And that week I did like a new student membership to a studio that was uh, in my area. And I kind of fell in love with the practice. And I, I practiced every day and then it became a habit. And my reward to myself after class was to like go have breakfast somewhere. So I would wake up early, go do yoga, and then I'd go have breakfast. And after that, it became a necessity for me. Like I saw how good I felt after practicing and it was like, oh, I need to keep doing this. So it turned into something I wanted to do for, you know, recreation or for working out. And it turned into a necessity, like something I needed to do in order to continue to like show up at work, continue to be the person that I needed to be for other people. Um, and from there, that, that was like the week that really kind of launched and solidified my practice. And then I had a couple of transformative moments in class. One was the first, oh, so then, so then comes the part that like, I think most people of color can relate to is like, although I fell in love with this practice, I also felt my otherness front and center every time I went into a, a wellness space, right? Anytime. And this, this studio was good because it was really intimate. Uh, like a lot of times in New York, real estate is the thing. So you'll find studios that like can only hold like 15 or 20 people. So this is one of those really small studios. So you could, it was intimate and you could find community there easily. However, there's still that hurdle of blackness or that hurdle of queerness or like whatever the hurdle is that you feel like you have to overcome because you don't know how it's gonna be welcomed or not welcomed in this space. And, you know, I felt comfortable enough there, you know, nothing glaring happened, nothing made me feel like I was not welcome, but there's always that little voice in your head that you're just kind of like, I don't know, I need to figure this out. Um, but I had a black teacher there um, her name is Amy Cox. She's still teaching. She's fantastic. But in her class, it was the first time I had ever heard someone say take up space. And maybe I had heard it before, but when she said it, it hit different. And she was like, you know, on your mat, like just take up space. Like you ever, you ever just walk in. And I felt like the examples that she used to describe taking up space was specifically like things that black people or people of color experience but she didn't name blackness she mm -hmm. said things like you know like if you're ever walking on the sidewalk and you're expecting someone to move or you know you're the first person to move versus them you know making space for you like she just gave all these kind of examples of what it could mean to take up space on your mat and in the world and it brought me to tears and um, so we, it stuck with me. And from that moment, and she talked about, you know, using your breath and filling up your body and taking, you know, just really demonstrated what taking up space could mean. And it, I was so inspired and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm coming to her class. It was a connection that I felt that um, it really was liberating and really transformative. Um, so I kept, I had a few other moments like that, that really kind of, liberated me in in a in several senses and um to get to where i am now let's fast forward a little bit so i continue to stay in education i moved from the city after you know that school that i was working at and loved ended up closing unfortunately so there was a lot of um, trauma there and then i moved back to texas where i'm originally from i'm originally from dallas but i moved to houston um under um after talking with a colleague and like someone who I respected and trusted who was leading a school in Houston, I um, signed on to be a dean at a high school. And all of the things that I thought were my skill sets I was bringing to this place, we had discussed, you know, this working. Um, long story short, I got there, the, the flip script, the script flipped on me and all of the, and it kind of turned into a situation in which I was suspending kids every day. I was preparing expulsion hearings every day. And it was just honestly the, the antithesis of everything that I believe in, in terms of education and my role as a black man in schools. And it was trauma. And then and in that place, I leaned on my yoga practice as almost like an escape 
um, from real life in a way that, you know, I don't think was super healthy. And finding a new studio in Houston, I went through that same kind of otherness again, that same experience of like, is this place for me? I had, I found my home community that I really enjoyed. And the question came like, I really now, I think I want to be a yoga teacher. I want to go through their training, but this studio was really expensive. And I asked if they would offer a scholarship for, you know, because they don't have many people of color on their staff. And they responded in a way that didn't sit well with me at all. They said, well, you know, thanks for this question. They really were happy about me asking and, you know, named that it could be uncomfortable and I took a big step. And then they replied, we will gladly comp your tuition if you bring us two other people to take the training in the same cohort as you. Hmm. And, you know, my rationale for asking for, for this big ask, as they called it, um, <laughs> was that I don't know people who can drop $4,000 like really <laughs> on, you know, on a yoga teacher training that they may or may not use. And I don't know many people of color who are just going to be like, oh, yep, let me drop this. And I'm not going to pimp my friends to get a yoga teacher training for free. Like it just, there were just lots of levels to that, that as I continue to unpack it, I was just like, this is not quite right. Um, and we can, we can, we can point, like I can, yeah, it just wasn't right. It didn't sit well with me. So, <laughs> so uh, did not take that training, but I did take my training when I got back to New York City. And I knew that where I was professionally, I wasn't ready to be in another school, right? I, I experienced a real, like, what I just call trauma in that in my last school, I had, you know, worked in a school that closed. I just needed to do something for me um, to kind of fill my cup back up. And I knew that my yoga practice, my mindfulness practice were the things that sustained me and the things that showed up the most in my other work. So as a dean, when I was managing conflicts, like I used mindfulness techniques to de-escalate, to like let folks get in touch with what's going on. So I knew that was what I wanted to pursue next. And my experiences, feeling that otherness when I would walk into a new wellness space, knowing whether or not I should how I should show up, like negotiating how I showed up as myself in these places, what language I used, all of those things were like led to the to me thinking like they, I know that there are other people like me. There are other people who want to access wellness who don't look and sound like the next person that don't feel comfortable either in their body or in the physical space that they're attending. Um, and I want to be the person, the teacher, I want to be the Amy that I had, right? Like, I want to be the teacher that says something or that relates to another person of color or another person who is experiencing their otherness in a way that they, that makes them feel excluded from this experience, um, to be able to welcome them into this practice and to let them know and assure and affirm them that however they are showing up is perfect. And they don't have to change. They can talk how they want to talk. They can show up how they want to show up. They can be who they are and it is fine and they can access this too. So that is the long story <laughs> of how I got to where I am and how my um, practice has, how that's impacted my practice. No, no, it's, it's, it's perfect. I always tell folks, talk about it, talk about it. Because I think what's really interesting is like we have a, very similar path in terms of the education piece and then incorporating in and leaning into the mindfulness work and, and yoga in general. And so one thing I want to ask in particular is, you know, thinking about showing up in some of these yoga spaces and realizing like you immediately sometimes feel that otherness. Now that you're at a place where you are holding space for other people with these practices, um, how has like leaning into who you are fully shaped or changed how you're holding space for other people um, in particular because I, I love the fact that you know mentioning like there was a teacher that poured into you with that particular message and you want to be that person in terms of that level of access to be able to share that with other folks how has that how has leaning into who you are fully as a person kind of shaped or molded the way you're particularly holding space for folks yeah that's a good question 
question. And there are still times and spaces where I still feel myself negotiating how I'm going to show up in a spot, right? Um, and I think the things that I'm very intentional about is like the content of what I'm saying and the way in which I teach remains the same no matter how the other parts of me show up. So I think that um, I've been to, to classes in which the focus is very much on how to do a pose. And the cues are very much like anatomical and sometimes they're accessible and sometimes they're not. I think when I'm teaching, I, it's important for me to create an experience in which you can choose how you want to be. You can choose how far into a pose you want to go or the way in which I describe a pose is very optional, right? So if you want this kind of experience, if you want to open up your hip, then do this. If you want to pull back, then do this. Um, and it gives people autonomy to decide what kind of experience they want to have, how far they want to push themselves or how far they want to be gentle, how much, how gentle they'd like to be. Um, so it's never do this, it's uh, always an invitation. And I think that's really important for people, especially for people who feel like they haven't, they don't have access or they've been excluded or they can't do something. And I've realized that so many people don't practice this yoga or mindfulness because they feel like it's not for them or they can't do the things that they see other people do. Um, so me leading into myself is leading into that, like, you can do it, you're perfect how you are, this is what you can do for this or for this kind of experience or that kind of experience. So very affirming language, um, just in general and the way in which I try to teach. And then I think the things that I try to lean into the most that I still find myself kind of reconciling in different spaces is the language that I use and the way in which I speak. So I find myself, easily when I feel comfortable or if it's a class that I'm leading on my own and it is majority people of color, then my language is far more relaxed. We're having fun, it's conversational. I'ma throw a sis, I'ma throw like I'm gonna like it's I'm gonna show up all the way me with no regards, right? And I think that that also is what people are looking for, kind of like the less performative, uh, very yogi, like, you know, people can use a lot of like flowery metaphorical language in, and sometimes people are here for it. And sometimes they're like, turns you off. Like, I don't want to hear all that stuff. Like, what you talking about? Like, what did you say? <laughs> what are you saying? Right. Um, so I think those are the things that I continue to negotiate. And then I, um, leaning into myself is, really the thing that I think um, that I've gotten a lot of feedback, positive feedback on, is the way in which I try to connect what we're doing, how we're breathing, what poses we're doing to real life application and like what that means for you and how it shows up for you in your body. So something I say oftentimes in my child's pose is what Amy said to me is to take up space right? We're taking up space on our mats, like by breathing into our whole body, by stretching our fingertips forward and pressing our hips back and being as big on our mats as we can. Like we're experiencing this in our body and we're doing this intentionally so that when we leave our mats, we feel empowered and emboldened to take up as much space as we can in the world or online right now, like wherever it is. So we feel like we belong here. Um, so I really try to match um, or, or bridge a connection between what we're doing and how we're doing it and how it can show up um, in your life. Um, yeah, how it can serve you in your life. So I think those are, those are probably the three biggest things that I have, that I continue to reconcile or continue to prioritize um, in my practice that comes from like leaning into who I am um, and showing up fully as as me how do you you know one one of the things that i think is really important is that you know having your own personal practice is really important because again it informs how you're showing up for other folks and what i realize 
in having my own personal practice, again, is you actually see the benefits of what these practices can be. And part of that is the reason why for myself, I wanted to get into this. I'm like, man, I'm seeing the benefits. I want people that look like me to see the benefits. How do you have that kind of conversation with folks to, in terms of um, exposing them to, you know, meditation, yoga in that way that is relatable and I think digestible for folks that may be new to the practice. You know, that's one of the things that, you know, I find myself coming up against quite often, you know, and we had a conversation a little while ago about the work that I do at Morehouse. And, you know, I did a presentation for the students about meditation and for them, it was like a major aha moment, right? It was like, Oh, other people. And and I had, this was an exact comment that I heard from one of the students was like, before you had, had this conversation about meditation I, and yoga, I thought this was only for white folks, right? I only seen, because that's all I see yes. um, in particular that are doing this type of work. So I didn't realize, and I showed them some clips about Kendrick Lamar doing yoga, J. Cole, Kobe, all talking about yoga, and it helped change their perspective um, because they saw folks that look like them. And so how do you, how do you bridge that kind of that gap or have that conversation with folks around um, exposure to these modalities, considering that with your own personal practice, you understand the benefits of them? Yeah, I, that's a good question. And I think it's important for me, just like you said, representation is like the first step. And I feel like the, maybe, maybe the most important, um, if I have not, if I'm a person who've never, if my understanding of wellness is white, then I already think that this isn't for me. I feel like Black people have never had the luxury or the opportunity or the access to just breathe. And the phrase, I can't breathe, has never been so heavy and resonant. But I think that representation is so important because for so many of us, we have not had opportunities to stop and breathe and process and just be mindful or we haven't been taught what mindfulness is or um, how to sit with, how to just sit with stuff. So I think on, on the, the most fundamental level, representation, me being who I am and showing up for people is important. And other people, other people of color, or other people who have, uh, who have marginalized identities in the wellness in, industry, representation is super important. And then I think oftentimes people ask me like, why is it important? Or people are then curious, like you said, because I thought that this was just for white people. Um, I oftentimes, I try to be careful about sharing my experience because I don't, I don't want to project my experience on someone else. And I also know that my experience won't be the same as, as your experience, right? Like what gets me there and what, what hits me might not be the same thing that hits you. So I try to explain or like give examples of things that I have experienced, benefits of the, from the practice that I've experienced, like just being self-aware, you know, um, the way that I approach conflict, the way that I can, the way that I experience emotions have changed. Um, uh, and try to give examples of that in ways that just make sense and feel um, practical, and usable, right? Like I, I try not, I try to stay away from the flowery metaphorical stuff and kind of ground it in the real life. Like, you know, I don't get as mad anymore or like I get super mad and then I can calm down and like think about why I'm mad. And then it like makes me, gets me to a next step and gets me out of certain places versus me just being sitting there and being mad, right? So I, I try to like, I think it's important to describe benefits in a way that that sound like benefits while also not uh while also being careful to not project my entire you know wellness experience and personal practice on somebody else because that may not be theirs gotcha well so yeah well a question i like to ask particularly folks that teach right how do you balance teaching with your own personal practice how do you keep yeah. that that balance going and you know what has that kind of journey around that looked like yeah i think you know i i think i have been guilty for sure to let my personal practice fall by the wayside while i'm like hustling and bustling and trying to teach everybody else and hold space for everybody else 
And really what we, what we often don't talk about is that in the wellness world, especially as yoga teachers, and especially in places like New York where this, the market is super saturated, you're working for pennies like literally pennies on the <laughs> like a yoga class you might get 20 30 dollars for an hour um so so many people are teaching like 20 20 25 classes a week just to just to have a you know a check um which is why many people who practice their personal practice will, will fall by the wayside because they're hustling to try to make ends meet I think that's one reality. And I think one benefit of COVID um, is that my personal practice has certainly increased. Um, my habits have changed because I've had more opportunities to slow down. Um, and I'm not hustling leaving my house as much as I was prior to, so I have a little bit extra time. But I think that um, also now I'm practicing while teaching so I'm getting some of my practice and, you know, it's not, it's not a best practice, but sometimes as I'm teaching, I'm like kind of in my own practice, um, which I try to be really careful about also. Um, but sometimes I can get what I need while I'm teaching, um, which is kind of like a really fine line to walk. And I think that I try to, as much as possible to start my routine, my routine for me um, by giving myself a little bit of time before I engage with others to to do the practice. So on the Tuesday and Thursdays when I meditate at eight, I try to wake up earlier um, and to give myself some time either to fully sit down and meditate or to give my time myself enough time getting ready to be in a meditative state before I start at 8 a.m. Um, if I'm teaching a class, I'll try to give myself, if not a full, you know, if I'm not doing a full yoga practice, I'll try to at least give myself some time to ground in my own practice before teaching others. So I think that's the way it's showing up right now for me the most is just kind of giving myself some moments before. Um, and then I definitely have times, I would say probably once or twice a week where I'll do a full yoga practice just for myself. Um, it's not daily, although it, it sh probably should and could be, um, but definitely one or two times a week where I'm just on my mat, either on the roof or by myself, and sometimes it's a full flow, like a full practice, and sometimes I'm just like moving my body in a way that feels good for me. Um, yeah, so that's that's how I'm balancing, but it, it's, it's definitely, it has become more easy to do um as a result of COVID or during this time also it is it can be very inconsistent um and especially when you are showing up for holding space for everybody else um it can be easy to forget to prioritize yourself also so as, as we're thinking you know folks you know again i like to, to talk about folks journey and then even providing some context for folks who maybe along the same journey for maybe someone who's exploring yoga and is interested in taking the step for, you know, yoga teacher training to kind of show up and hold space in that way. Do you have any advice for folks that may be in that sort of space? Yeah, I think the first question is to get clear about your why. Um, like, why do you want to do it? Um, because it really is an investment. It's a, it's a, a really large financial investment, one. And then two, I think it is a huge investment of your time. Um, and if you're not clear about why you want to do it, it can be it can be easy to for it to be one of those things you kind of start and just lose interest in as the process goes. Um, so I think being clear about a why why do you want to do your yoga teacher training? And it's fine if you don't have the full you know, a hard answer, but just like know why you want to do it for the times in which you might not want to finish, like what's going to be the thing to push you through. And then I think of, I think it could also really be important to, or helpful to find teachers that you identify with or really enjoy taking class from to either ask if they are hosting the teacher training or if they would recommend um, a place for you to go based off of the things that you are interested in. Um, so I would definitely 
and and with that like do your research on the different places because maybe the studio that you take class in ha offers one but maybe it's not the one that you need to take or if you're looking for people of color or if you're looking for a really holistic kind of experience or a specific experience and maybe you look for teachers who you know provide that kind of thing or are looking for it. So it's kind of like, you know, choosing a college, really. Like, what is it that you're looking for and, and where can you find that? Um, so I would, I would definitely recommend knowing your why, doing your research on where, where to go and who is leading what. Um, and then I would say, if you are a person of color, I would say just kind of be prepared for this experience to feel white. <laughs> like, I mean, if we're going to talk about it, then we can talk about yeah, it. I mean, yeah, listen, listen, <laughs> listen. Um, and I think, so my, and, and you can learn a lot of great things. So in my, my experience, I chose the place I chose. Um, based off of the research, I did a sample class uh, where they, you know, they, you got to ask questions and it was like a simple yoga class. And I was so impressed by the diversity in the room. I was the only male, of course, but there were all kinds of people who showed up for this class. So I was like, oh, found home, perfect. This is what's important for me. Excited about this. Registered for my training and I did a month long intensive. So I was there 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, and you're not doing yoga that whole entire time. Like there's book work, there's conversations, there's practice, there's breaks. So, you know, I, th I thought a 200 hour training meant you were just practicing yoga for 200 hours like all day. And it's not that. But when I arrived first day of training, it was all thin white women. And I was already like, first day walking in was like, like oh, all right, here we go. It's this again. I I had preconceived notions on what I thought I would experience, the microaggressions. I thought I was prepared. I came in with my armor on. And it's the armor that I feel like many people of color wear, just navigating throughout our lives during the day. And what I found in my experience was that I was wearing the armor and it wasn't necessary in this space. So I was fortunate enough to realize that I could take some of this off because what I thought I was gonna experience, I didn't experience to the extent that I thought I would. And that this kind of protection that I had, this assumption that these people were going to, that I was gonna have this kind of experience, this assumption I had was incorrect. And when I realized that I was able to show up more fully and get much more out of my experience. And it took like, it took a whole almost two weeks, like almost halfway through the program, I realized I could shed some of this armor that I didn't have to show up in the same way. And that's what I learned. That was a big moment for me like oh some of the stuff that I, I have experienced in my life I probably have I may have had a hand in helping me to create it um, so that was like that experience and I know that there is a reason why I've come into spaces with armor on right, right. So, like, <laughs> so that's not to say that like we need to just like oh people of color you need to like be open to no like we come in because we have to protect ourselves but I did learn that like when you assess a situation and you can see like, all right, I might be okay. I can start taking some of the armor off so I can really focus on the experience versus protecting and guarding me. Um, and there were some moments where I had to like set some stuff straight um, or where I had to kind of tap in, like, you know, a microaggression would happen and then I would say something and that would be it and I was able to handle it. And then we learned from it and it was a positive productive experience. But a huge thing that I learned there was that there might be situations where it's okay to, to like, just relax. Mm. And I spoke with a friend recently who is finishing up her, her training and she had a complete opposite experience. And she, and it seemed like a source of like some trauma for her. 
Um, so, you know, the, the experiences of people of color in wellness spaces are going to be varied, but I would, I would definitely say like, be prepared to, for a white experience and be prepared to, at some point, if you feel comfortable to be open to being okay with being who you are in a white space. Um, and if there are moments where you can relax, then let yourself relax. And if you feel like you gotta be guarded, then maybe figure out like if you need to stay there or if you get your money back or if you just need to press through this experience or if you can have a hand in changing it um, or giving feedback in a way that might, you know, help make the, be productive in changing the experience or if you just need to press through, get your coins, get your little degree and then keep it moving and not, and, you know, and not come back. But I think, Either way, whatever the outcome is, just be prepared for a very wide experience unless you have gone to a place that is not that. So those are the three main things I will say to look out for or to consider when you are um, preparing to go into a yoga teacher training. That, and that's, that's really well put because you do have to, it's like you said, it's an investment and you really have to think strategically around what that looks like. But I love that you gave yourself the grace to think about assess the situation and say like, all right, maybe I don't really need, because like you said, there's a reason why we come into spaces with the armor, yeah. but there are times when you know that, that, that you can feel like, okay, I could, I could pull back a little bit. Yeah. And just really be in the experience because sometimes I think we are so accustomed to putting up that armor that we don't realize that that's an energetic exchange of having the armor up. So we're worried about keeping this, this, front facing armor and then we're also still trying to do and when we have the instances to kind of relax and redistribute that energy it gives us the ability to fully be in in whatever it is that we're engaged in just that much more yeah and I think there's sometimes where I I have felt like I need to be anti this because of who I am like I need to make sure, like, nobody has said it, nobody's thinking about, like, what this could mean for a person of color. So I need to make sure that you know that it's a different experience. And that takes work, and that's mm. taxing. And I feel like I felt in my teacher training experience that I needed to be the person to speak up for that because it's not on anyone else's mind. And there were moments, there were a few moments where when I was able to like just kind of put that on hold or just set that to the side and listen to the conversations and the experiences that folks were having, while, it, while they may not have had an experience that was because of race or ethnicity, they might have been sharing an experience that was very similar to my experience in a different way. And I was able to kind of put together that like, while our experiences may be different, they're also very similar, or they might be uh, as, a as, the as a result of the same thing. So like, I don't have to prioritize my, ex my experience in this moment, because we're all having, like we're all feeling oppressed. So I don't have to play like, but my oppression is worse here, right? Like. I can find community in the fact that we're having a similar shared experience and, and be okay with it being different. And I have to like name mine first. That's a very specific example, but like that was something, that was a takeaway that I had here. It was like, I don't have to name blackness or um, queer oppression. I don't have to call it by name here. If everybody's talking about being oppressed, I don't have to be like, but mine is, uh, we're not playing the oppression Olympics game. Like I don't have to be number one here. Um, I can just fall back and listen and I don't, and that was something that like, I feel like when you have to advocate for yourself all the time, you're always trying to advocate for yourself and for others. And when you can listen and just kind of accept and take in and like not have to advocate, it's a different experience. Like you can learn a lot more or you can learn a lot um when you are able to kind of deprioritize your own experience and that's mm. not something that we oftentimes have have the ability or luxury or privilege to do when we are the ones advocating fiercely for ourselves and our own experience wow hmm that's yeah yeah that, I'm, I'm sitting with that one there's always something in one of the conversations that i'm like 
shit, that just <laughs> sent something right. off from me in my head. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> One of the questions I love asking, um, just in general, uh, is this question about success. So in your transition from educational world over to this wellness yoga meditation space, um, has your definition or thoughts around success changed? And maybe what does that look like for you now? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think that Maybe my definition has not changed, but I think the criteria for success has widened. So I think you, oftentimes when we think of success, I think of financial success. Um, and that looks very different. You know, financial stability and financial success and abundance look very different in wellness than it does in education, I think. Having a going from a salaried position to essentially a freelancing position is a very different world. Um, so if I compared those two in the same way, then it would not be equitable at all. But when I think about, and I think my practice has helped with this, when I think about um, success in the sense of like needs being met and being able to sustain oneself in ways like the fact that like this this thing might have led to this person seeing me and this person now wants to do a deal and this school wants to reach out and this part like I think the, the criteria for success has widened in that way and uh, when I'm like at the end of the day doing reflections or when I'm goal setting I think that um, I'm able to give myself more grace by widening that criteria. Um, a, a lot of times attendance or how many people are in the room, whether it's in person or virtual, can feel like you're, it was not a success because only this many people came. When there are experiences where you might have two people or you might have 30, but then one person comes to you and wants to stay after because something that you said or something that happened in and they had an experience in which they felt liberated after, or they had an emotional release happen. And then it's like, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's all, if, if that's, that's only one person got something, that's all I needed. Or the, the ones that really pull up my heartstrings are when people say like, I have never had a black male yoga teacher and you were my first time experiencing something and now I wanna take another class you know, that, that is successful, right? Like, so I think that um, this is a very kind of open-ended response, but I think the success, so I guess, yeah, yeah, the definition has changed because it has widened. Um, and I think there are lots of different ways that I can feel successful in this experience. So I always like to uh, leave the listeners with some resources that may be of assistance to them in their own personal growth and development. <clears throat> and so for you, are there, have there been any resources, whether book, podcast, movie, what, anything across the spectrum of resources that may have been beneficial for you that you'd like to share with, share with the listeners to, uh, yeah, that have been important to you? Yeah, that's a good question. I I like to find um, like inspiration in through wellness folks and through different and that's just and non wellness things. Um, but I think some of the um, there has been a community that I've been able to be a part of that has been really helpful um, and very like clutch as I kind of find my way. And it's uh, founded by a woman named Libby Nicolau. It's called Set Two Community. Um, and there's Set Two Community on Instagram and Set Two Online, S E T U, um, like the bridge pose, but um, Sanskrit for bridge. And the whole kind of premise of the organization is like bridging the wellness community, bridging diverse students with diverse teachers. Um, so, 
there is a studio, like an online studio where you can subscribe and like have access to different kinds of yoga and breathing practices that you can do at home. And then there is a directory for yoga teachers um, who have diverse identities to submit. They can, anybody can kind of create a profile. And if students are like, let's say I am looking for a Latinx female body positive teacher who specializes in yin yoga, I can filter and find that person and look at wow. their profile and go to their Instagram or their website or, you know, I can find, I can have access to something as specific as that. Um, if somebody lists themselves and, and it fits that description. Um, and they also have programming, and um, I'm actually partnering, Black Matt is partnering with them for June um, for some pride programming um, to celebrate, you know, folks, the intersections of identity um, during Pride Month, and we're really excited about that. Um, I think Black Boys Own is another fantastic resource that I'm sure has been talked about on your podcast. Um, but I have found so much just um, relief and reprieve in this community of Black wellness professionals um, that are just like communing together and sharing resources. Um, yeah. yeah. And there, there's an Instagram page there. And for guys who are in the um, collective or in the, a part of it, there's this um, WhatsApp group where we're just just talking and connecting and it has brought me so much like joy to be a part of it and I put in the chat the other day I was a part of two yoga group chats on um, WhatsApp one one is Black with Ohm and another one was a studio that I was connected with I subbed there so I was in this group but I wasn't really close with the group and it's like a tale of two worlds in the conversations that happen in one and the other, one of which are very relevant to me in many different ways, and one that just feels like completely like irrelevant in many ways. And I have since left of that group just because it was making me angry. Um, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I left that group, but um, those are two resources. And then one, there's some social media accounts that I also follow, but one person in particular who I think is great, who is who is wonderful, whose work is great for um, people of color and non and white people alike, um, Ruth King. Are you familiar with her? Mm -hmm. She's great. Um, she is a meditation teacher and life coach. She's written some great books, um, and one that I I experienced her for the first time on the Liberate app, which is also a great feature, um, meditations for, guided meditations and um, talks for people of color. It's like the first meditation app designed by people of color and features exclusively people of color. Um, and I've heard a meditation from Ruth King on the app and made me curious about her work. Um, but she has a book called Mindful of Race that I've heard really great things about. I haven't read it, I've read excerpts from it. Um, and it's like on my to read lists. Um, Mindful of Race, Transforming Racism from the Inside Out. And it has, um, of course you read, but it has like journal entries and like, it's kind of like a workbook like um, also. So those are like three, Three or four teams, I would recommend. Um, <laughs> you just added another book to my Amazon list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got so many. I need to read that one, too. So when you start, let me know so we can kind of, so we can talk about it. I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, we, we yeah, let's set that, we got to set that up. Let's set that up. Yeah, that'll hold me accountable, too, because I have, like, a list that's just endless that I'm like, I'll start it one day. <laughs> mm -hmm. One day, I literally have like a, a stack of books on the table that I purchased and I'm like okay you need to read these before you buy something else and then I still buy something else yeah, and I just keep adding to the list that. so yeah. <laughs> so uh, what's next for uh, Black, Mac, Black Mat Yoga I know you mentioned that you know um, June there will be some Pride Month offerings um, just in terms of thinking forward what, what's next for you that's a great question um 
one that I also uh, am really trying to figure out. Um, I think that one of the projects that I really want to work on is kind of creating my own online on-demand studio for meditations and um, yoga offerings. If you can't catch a class, like you can always stream um, online. Um, I'm partnering with set to, to with some pride programming, but I also want to have some um, pride programming going on um, Black Mat also in June. Um, I'm teaching weekly classes right now. And I recently, as of like last week, uh, got my official LLC for um, small business um, credentials for Black Mat. So we official, official for real now. Um, so I- Congrats. And, um, thank you, it's super <laughs> exciting. Um, so I think that yeah, those are the top things. Starting a studio, an online studio, um, and some pride programming. And really, I really want um, Black Mat to be a place of inclusivity um, that prioritizes. And this might be a little like opposite of what inclusive is, but it that really prioritizes like the Black experience. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I think that I, I found a lot of love online, which was kind of a surprise to me. Like the online community is really great and accepting with just the things that I've been posting, but I also really want to prioritize the Black experience. Um, and I, once outside opens, I really want to partner with um, Black folks and folks of color that don't look like me, um, that, you know, have bigger bodies and that maybe have like difference, you know, like maybe, I don't know. I just, I see um, Black Mat being a place of inclusivity um, within the Black experience. Mm. Um, queer people, straight people, um, able-bodied people, um, or um, the politically ter correct term for not able-bodied, like what, like people who have, you know, disabilities. Like I, I really want this to be a, a really safe space um, that does not lack seasoning. My friend Dawes said that <laughs> described her yoga her yoga program where she is. She's like it just lacks seasoning. So I want all mm -hmm. the flavor, all the seasoning, and I really want everybody to come to the page and either feel like, oh, I'm going to come back because I saw something or read something that I liked that affirmed who I was or who I am, um, or people to come here and be like, yes, I found it. This is it. This is home. Like, let's, let's stay here. Um, so that's the feel I want. How we get there is what I'm still figuring out. Um, but stay tuned because day by day, we'll get there. Awesome. Listen, I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm like, as you were, were naming it, like, I'm like, I see it. Like, I'm, I see it. So yes. I'm excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So as we wrap up the conversation, you know, the question that I like to kind of cap the, com cap the podcast conversation with is, you know, at the end of the day, when you look back on the work that you've done um, and that you will do, maybe what does legacy look like for you? Mm. I know I get that response. Because <laughs> you're not thinking that that's what's coming next. Mm. What does the legacy look like? I don't know. To be honest, um, and that's a real answer. Yeah, I don't know. I think that I think it could it can mean a lot of different. So one, I'm not trying to be done with Black Man anytime soon. Um, so um, there's some there's plenty of time to figure that out. But I could see. I could definitely see some, I could see the brand expand. I could see some like subsidiary um, Black Matte projects. Um, um, and I could see, Legacy could look like more people being involved other than me. Um, 
Yeah, that, I need to. I need to figure that. I ha I have not thought about what legacy looks like. So that's a really good question. But I I can I can say loosely that legacy looks and feels like Black Matt going on after me. Mm. And I'm I'm open. Um, I'm open to see to seeing how it can change from my initial vision, um, because I think at its core. Black Mac is designed to address inequities in wellness. So the legacy means that it will continue to do that work in whatever way is relevant to the community that needs it the most. Listen, this has yeah. been <laughs> this has been a great conversation, Eric. I've uh, I'm I've been as you mentioned earlier. I've also been looking forward to this conversation this week. Um, especially after the kind of week that it's been, I'm excited to oh. just be able to chop it up and converse. So thank you for being here, um, sharing, being as open. Um, it really means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. No, I needed this too. Cause I've, I've canceled classes. I've, I have like completely like retreated for the last two or three days. Um, just because it's just too much. It's too much. Mm -hmm. Um, so this has definitely been a joy and a bright spot to the week. And I might cancel a couple more classes. Just yeah, I'm <laughs> listen. I don't have it for y'all. I don't have it. <laughs> and people got to realize that that's, it, that's just the better option at the point. Because you'd rather someone yeah. know that they don't got it at the moment than to show up and hold that space in that way. And so, I I listen, it. I get it. And I'm being real. Um, so, like, there's a, I teach with a, another studio virtually. And that studio, you know, there are only there are only white people who come to take class. And I just I don't have it for white folks at this moment. Like because what I'm offering is like what comes from like I just don't have it right now. So I gotta sub that out. But somebody hit me up yesterday and was like, could you hold could you do a meditation for a group of my friends? Like all black gay men, we just need so almost like church like i just need a word from the lord today can you give me something is what i felt so i'm like you know what i can do something that i'll i will be a participant in this and like we'll do it together so i i you know while i'm canceling some stuff and clearing my schedule this is one of the things i was like no we're not canceling that is one of the things where i'm like yeah we can pull together and like we can stand together and like you know stand in the gaps for each other but um yeah, we gotta be protective of, of our space and our energy and know when to say, nah, not today. Let's and not feel a way about it either. And not feel any ways about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so thank you. I, I'm grateful and this is this is definitely served me well. <laughs> I like to, I know it'll be posted in the podcast description, but from our auditory folks, what's the best way for folks to get in contact with you? Um, as they, and I'm sure they will, once you follow you um, and the work that you're doing. Yes, um, my personal Instagram page is E underscore Mosley, M-O-S-L-E-Y. And then you can find Black Matt through that page or you can search for Black Matt directly um, or on Instagram at Black Matt Yoga NYC. Um, and that's also the website, Black Matt Yoga NYC. Dot com and through the website is where you can find uh, my classes during the week um, and register for those. Um, you know, it's a one person business right now. It's just me and I can be the first to say that like I am working to keep my website a little bit of a little bit better. Um, so right now, Instagram is the best um, way to get in contact or to um, Instagram is like most popping class you can sign up online on the website and then if you want to reach me you can reach me through social media or you can send an email at info.blackmatyoga.com or info at blackmatyoga.nyc.com perfect so that yes will be all in the descript so click it follow perfect. do what you need to do yes um, to follow this good brother but listen eric thank you again thank you Thank you, Sean. This has been great. Have a wonderful rest of your day and weekend.
It is in gratitude that I say thank you for listening to this episode of the Mindful Rebel podcast. If you like what you heard, please follow us on your favorite podcast platforms that include Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, and TuneIn. If you want to learn more about the work that I do as a mindfulness practitioner, Gallup certified strengths coach, and graphic designer, you can check out my website. That's seanjmore.com. Again, that's seanjmore.com. Thank you again, and I hope this platform serves you in your own personal growth and development.